0: Well, good morning. They mess with these lights. They're a little out there for me. Um, thanks, praise team, for bringing us into the presence of the Lord. And a special thanks to Miles. He, I was supposed to be on bass today. It's not that I can't play bass before doing this, but I'm pretty sure that either putting it on or taking it off with this wire, I would strangle myself. So I just thank you for that and, and whatnot. Um, Pastor Gary is in Cooperstown. It's a uh, men's retreat weekend. He took some of the guys and he went to Cooperstown. So that's where he is today. And he asked if I would come and do this. Um, so welcome and welcome to everyone who's joining us online. And uh, just a couple of prayer things. Um, Zach Fincher is Keeley's um, boyfriend. If you don't know, he had a massive accident a couple of weeks, it two weeks ago already. It's. A week ago, okay, Um, and isn't a world of hurt. I mean, he's torn up pretty bad. They had to take one kidney out, and he's really struggling. So, um, I think that's about the only person that's on our prayer list that I know of. So, let's let's uh, open with a word of prayer. Father God, um, we just come before you, and we lift Zach up to you. We pray for healing in his body. We pray for wisdom for the doctors, and all who give him care in the hospital. We pray for uh, his family and for Keeley as they sit by his side. And just give them encouragement. Let them feel your presence there with them, Lord. And just pray for healing in his body. It's just, um, you know everything he's going through. and We just ask for that, Lord. And as we open your word today, we pray that you would write your word on our hearts, that you would um, give us encouragement and give us a sense of your presence and, and lead us. Um, as we go forward today. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Do you have a favorite season? I do. It's, you know, now when I'm saying season, I know I can't see him because he's right there, but I can tell Mark is going like, yeah, bow season. But I mean the big four, you know, winter, spring, summer. Um, not the one that we're currently in, the special Minnesota season of mud. Um which is kind of what we get like right when things melt off. Um, in a lot of ways, my favorite season is just whatever comes next. I love the changes. I love to, to you know, as things come. But if I had to pick one, I, I would pick spring. Because as, as deep as our winters are, when we come to spring, it's just the whole world comes back to life. And, and it's just, it's just it's such a great contrast, and it's so amazing. Um, Weather-wise, we've, I think we've had a pretty pretty calm winter. We've been pretty lucky this winter. Things have been pretty calm. Um, but in a lot of ways, I, I don't know if you guys are paying attention to this, we're right at about one year from when they locked us down. And it's kind of been a long winter all the way through May, June, the summer, the fall. its It's kind of... Like a long winter, um, I, think, I think about like there's, there's a, a line from a, a soliloquy that Shakespeare wrote that, that says, this is the winter of our discontent. And I think this year has been the winter of our discontent. We've been distant from each other. It's a fantastic. I don't know if I should say this because if I say this, it'll get me emotionally. But It's fantastic to see Arnold and Evelyn here again. Um, we've missed each other. There's, there's still people that, that because of COVID aren't feeling safe enough to come and be part of our fellowship here and watch online and whatnot. But it's, it's changed everything about our year. Um, I don't know if you realize this is not our first rodeo when it comes to pandemics. If you've been alive since the turn of the century, sounds old to say it that way, since 2000, this is our sixth pandemic. Know that? So if you're even in college, you have survived and lived through six pandemics. Um, let's see if I can get them all right. HIV, okay, yes, that started in the 80s, but they still say that that's ongoing. So HIV, swine flu, SARS, Ebola, MERS, and COVID. And it's not even our first coronavirus because both SARS and MERS were coronaviruses. So we've, we've gone through both of those. Um, Dr. Fauci, you know, the sage of all things infectious, um, on a previous pandemic, actually said, there is no reason to lock down the country because it will actually do more damage, not just economically, but medically. It will do more damage to lock it down. And we saw that this year. What did people do? People quit getting all the things that we know we're supposed to do. They quit getting their shots. They quit getting their their normal procedures that you normally go and do like mammograms and colonoscopies and those things um, in big cities. People would rather die at home from a stroke or a heart attack than than call nine one one and have them taken to a hospital because we 're avoiding hospitals you know so that 's what he was saying. About 15 years ago in a previous pandemic, don't lock the country down. It will have negative side effects. A year ago, we knew nothing about COVID. We just, we, we were all, I assume you guys are like me, we were all looking for little clues on like, how bad is this? Is this like Ebola bad? You know, if you don't know, Ebola on average has like a 53% fatality rate. We thought, you know, the way they were talking about this when it started, we thought this was like Ebola bad, you know. We now know that it's like ninety-eight point eight or something like that percent survivable. That it's it's like one point two percent fatal. And and don't get me wrong, I am I am in no way discounting anyone who has actually you know been affected by this and died from it. Families have lost people. I'm not saying that that that's not worth considering, but it's it's not. We now know it's not Ebola, kind of bad. Um, it's been it's been fear mongered. It's been given misinformation. It's been politicized out, you know, one end and another. Um, in a lot of ways, because of our population density, we got we actually got away with like not so bad up here. Um, it's just we, you know, we're not as dense as like a New York or an L.A. or a Chicago or something like that. So to tell you the truth, like last summer, like Randy and I used to joke about like, what was your week like? And it's like, yeah, I was in the shop or I was out working in the, the garden or something. Because we live so remotely, we didn't probably feel some of the aspects of this lockdown quite as bad as some of the cities did um, And believe me, Leanne and I have said to each other like multiple times um, through this last year, like we are so blessed that we live up here and we don't still live, you know, three miles outside of D.C. Because, like I said, I could could go out in the garden and I could go somewhere. I don't know if you realize, we lived on the 16th floor of a 27-story building that there were like 18 units per floor, population density. You know, you couldn't even get in an elevator without seeing people. Um, So being up here where the the nearest neighbor is half a mile away is a good thing. I like that. Um, I think one of the hardest things for me as as I looked at what happened this year was our impact on the elderly, Um, those living in assisted care facilities or memory care units or just even in a retirement facility like my mom. Um, My 97, and I can only say that today because tomorrow she's 98, Um, my 97-year-old mom, for the last year, pretty much has seen like one person a day. And that was the person that came around to take her temperature once a day. When they shut down the the gym, they shut down the dining hall, they would bring their food around in like styrofoam clamshells. And you didn't even see the person that brought that because they would hang it in a bag on your door and knock and leave so that there was no contact. So we're letting convicted felons out of prison because of COVID, right? But we're taking our elderly and we're putting them in solitary confinement. Mind you, solitary confinement is what the ACLU refers to as cruel and, you know, terrible punishment for felons. But we did that to our 80 and 90-year-olds as we locked them up. Um, And it just, I don't know, that just was so sad. And you know, believe me, at, at 97 years old, my my mother wasn't worried about the effects of this. She wanted to be out. She wanted to, to see people. I even kind of joked with her about, like, can't you guys just, like, you know, call each other and kind of on the down low, meet in somebody's, you know, unit and play cards? And she goes, oh, we tried that. They busted us. <laughs> like, it's like teenagers, you know, they came and like, yeah, we found you playing cards. Like, getcha. Um... About twelve or thirteen years ago, um, I had a, a little event happen where I developed an allergy to a blood pressure medicine that I had been on at that point for like five years and in the early stages i i didn't even i didn't i wasn't really aware of what was going on it was it was kind of on this six week cycle and every six weeks i'd feel kind of in the beginning I'd just kind of feel lousy and as time went on, it kind of got worse and I would just think like oh, maybe I got a bug or you know maybe I got exposed to something and it it kind of kept escalating slowly until uh, one Sunday night I was feeling fine and I was starting to get some stuff ready for supper and uh, kind of felt a little strange. Went back, went to go to the bathroom. Within like 10 minutes, I was laying on the floor and my blood pressure was just absolutely crashing, just crashed. And Leanne was freaking out and she wanted to call 911, and I kept telling her no. And I found out, like, if you really want to make your wife angry, start saying goodbye to her. She just tells you to shut up. So finally I gave in, and she called 911. And within five minutes, because of where we lived, I had two fully EMT crews, like, in our apartment, like, trying to start IVs and stuff. Well, it turned out I was experiencing experiencing anaphylactic shock. And so they they put me in the hospital. And a few days later, she asked me, like, you know, why are you so stubborn about calling 911? Because they always go to the same place. You know, once in a while, they should go someplace fun. But they always take you to the hospital, you know? And for me, the hospital's like jail. You know, and I know, I, I, I actually have no, no confession here, I have no personal experience with being in a jail cell. But to me, it's it's like, it is like jail, because... You know, I love nurses, I think they're angels, but they think that a wheelchair is like an assist thing, so they take your wheelchair and they push it over in the corner out of their way. Not an assist thing, I don't go anywhere without it, you know. So um, I actually have had Leanne bring me a piece of rope that I can tie it to the bed and tie it to my wheelchair so I can pull it back over to me. Um, so it, for me, psychologically, it's, it's kind of like going to jail. Um, I knew, I knew guys in, when I first had my accident, I knew guys in rehab that thought their wheelchair was like being in prison, prison by this wheelchair, which I thought was just stupid because newsflash, without this, I'm laying here on the floor and I'm not going anywhere. So I don't think of it as jail, but I mean, it's, you know, that we use that as a term, kind of like we use a term like, I see what you mean. That doesn't mean I visually see it but it's, if we use that as a euphemism. Um, my point is, for, for each of us, we have different views on what constitutes being in prison or being in jail. Um, for a lot of people, this last year has, like I described my mother's existence, This last, for a lot of us, this last year has, has been like being in prison. Um... But at some point, we have to kind of go back to the basics for encouragement. That, that God is still on His throne. Like the song that we just finished singing, He is the good, good Father. He loves us. He's still on His throne. He's still the creator God of the universe. And to, for encouragement, we need to get back into His Word. And there's no better place to start than, than Genesis 1.1. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. He is the creator God. And I I love that verse. I take it to heart. I love going out and looking at the night sky. I am awed. That's one of the the really great things about living up here is on a moonless night, looking at the night sky, if you can look up there and not be awed, you're different than me because I am blown away when I see His creation. I can't quite relate to it. I wasn't there in the beginning and I've never seen like a solar system created. Um, so for me, I actually go to the, the, the kind of the mere image of that same verse and go to, to John chapter one. So in John chapter one, he reminds us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. We understand that Jesus is reminding that that John is reminding us that Jesus is the Word. He was there with the Father in the beginning. Nothing that we see was made without him. That I can I can latch onto. That I get, and that's why spring is what it is to me because I look around and I see the whole world coming out of deep, dark winter, out of just the void of... You know, you realize two weeks ago we were like at 38 below? It's going to be like 50-something today, which for this time of March is pretty stellar. Um, but I can, I can see that. When I, when I held my son 30-some years ago for the first time, that, that heart never beat in this world before. Cooper, who's over here like cooing, that's, that's, that's a new creation. Nothing in this world that was created was created without God. And that, that's, that's what I, I kind of latch on to. There's, there's another thing to think about as we continue in our long, kind of like, as I said, our, our winter of discontent. And the thing is, we really don't know how long this is going to last. I mean, we've had people already saying like, oh, we're going to be doing this in 2022. We're like, we're three months into 2021. Um, so we don't know how long this is going to last. But well, we have to ask ourselves, how do, we, how do we not only survive in this, but how do we thrive? And, and more importantly than that, how do we serve God? In, in, if, this, if this is indeed what you think of as, you know, an imposed prison sentence, how do we serve God in this time? Because his work's going to go on. Um, for this, I want to look at Paul. Um, when we get to Acts chapter twenty-seven, Paul has been arrested and he is on his way to Rome. Okay, and he's going by ship. At some point, the the ship is hit with a big storm and it's blown hundreds of miles across the Mediterranean and they shipwreck on Malta. And he's on Malta for three months. And then he's just traveling with this centurion who's his guard. And at some point after three months, the centurion finds a ship that is headed north to Rome. And so they get on that ship and they go to Rome. And that's in chapter 28. And he lived there for two years, basically under house arrest. So he wasn't he was he wasn't in prison in that sentence. but He was there under house arrest. And the Scripture tells us that um, he was able to spend those two years in Rome spreading the Gospel, receiving whoever people could come in and see him and talk to him, and he was teaching and spreading the Gospel all through that two years. Well, as we come to 2 Timothy, this all changes. He's he's thrown into a prison, he's put in shackles, and he is in a dark, cold prison. And that's kind of what I want to come to. Um he starts off in verse 3 and he says, I remember you, and he's talking to Timothy here, I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. That by itself, if I didn't say anything else today, that by itself is a great instruction. Regardless of our circumstances, we should constantly be in prayer. Even in our most dire situations, pray and pray for others. If you read through all of 2 Timothy, you'll notice He doesn't, Paul doesn't dwell on himself. He doesn't, oh Lord, take these chains away from me. Oh Lord, get me out of, he's not doing that. He's praying for others. He's praying for the the, the fellow workers in the kingdom. Picking up in in verse six, um, Paul instructs Timothy. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan the flames of of the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us in his calling us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own pur- purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began in which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. I have trouble doing that last line without singing it. I know Judy's over here going like, "I can sing that song." Paul exhorts Timothy and he exhorts us. Remember, God gave us the Spirit not of fear. We are not to live in fear. We are to live in power and in love. And then he walks Timothy through the truths, the basic truths of the of the gospel. And I, I'm sure that Timothy has heard all of this multiple times. We need to remember in these times remind each other remind ourselves of these core pieces of the gospel talk to the talk about them teach them to our children in these times the core principles God saved us to a holy calling why not for our works not for our edification but for his purpose that's why we're saved um which he gave to Christ Jesus before the ages began. Before the ages began, go back to what I what I mentioned a moment ago from, from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. That's the ages. All the way back to the beginning. Picking up in verse 10, he goes on and he says, about which has now been manifested through the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He's reminding them of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And then he boldly says, the part which I can have a hard time doing without singing in verse 12 For I know who I have believed in. I'm convinced that he is able and he is going to guard me until the day that he calls me home, basically. That's what he's reminding us. In chapter 2, Paul continues with these thoughts. Again, he's reminding Timothy. Think of what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in the gospel, for which I am suffering, bound and chained as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory." The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, but He he cannot deny Himself. Here he's, he's reminding Timothy of the fulfilled prophecy, that the risen Christ Jesus is the Messiah which was prophesied. That he would be from the house of David. He's reminding him. these, These prophecies go back hundreds of years. When he refers to the elect, he's talking about all believers. If the elect sounds like a confusing thing, just put it in this term. In November we held an election. What is an election? We chose. Okay, So if you take the elect and you insert there the chosen, it's, it's essentially it's the same thing. So what is Paul saying there? He's saying everything I do, I endure. I endure for the elect, for the chosen. Not just the chosen at that point in time, but the chosen going forward. That's us. He's enduring all this for the 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 followers of Christ from then on into eternity. Even as he chose for us in him before the foundation of the word, world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined... Oh, I missed something. I'm sorry. Um, he wrote... This is in Ephesians, where I'm at. Um, he wrote something similar that describes a chosen. And he says, even as he chose us um, in him before the foundation of the world, going back to John chapter 1 making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the full, for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him, we have obtained inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works in all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we... For the first to hope in Christ may be may be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. I know that sounds similar to what he wrote to Timothy. In a lot of Paul's letters. There's this common theme. And he's, but he's writing to different groups. So he's, he's writing these common themes. So he's writing to the Thessalonians and to the Corinthians, to the Ephesians. He's writing these things and he's reminding them. Um, remember that, that we are the chosen. Or as Paul, Paul said in his um, letter to Timothy, we are the elect, chosen by God to not only hear the message, but to respond to His calling, and and we weren't chosen for us; we were chosen for His purpose. Um, when we read about God, the Creator, we're we're to understand that we were created for His purpose. I think, for me personally, that's one of the the great mysteries that that I just I really don't understand. Is not only why did I hear His voice, but but why did I I respond. Um, as a, as a young person, I, I wasn't known for like making great decisions, which kind of obviously you can tell I didn't make great decisions. Um, but why did I hear, why did I hear his voice and why did I respond? I that's that's overwhelming to me because I I just I'm amazed. Um, but I have to understand and I have to remind myself I wasn't saved. For me, I was saved for Him and to serve Him. Um, when you heard the, the word of truth and the gospel of your salvation, you were sealed by the Holy the Spirit. Um, and the Holy Spirit guarantees um, our inheritance until either the time that Christ comes or until we go home to, home to Him. What is our inheritance? It is eternal life with Jesus Christ. Eternal life with God, in fellowship with Him. As Paul begins chapter 3, this reminds me of our world right now, what's going on around us. And he he says to Timothy, he says, but understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, they will be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Do we feel like that's what surrounds us right now? When he says "lovers of of you know the peer, or the appearance of godliness, but denying its power," think about those in power that are literally drunk on their power. No godliness in them, but they're acting as though they're gods. They're commanding the things that things that to happen, and they're they're taking that power to themselves. Honestly, I I, I think I think the lie. From day one, that the deceiver used has never changed. What did he? What did he say to Eve? Eat this. He as God, and and he does that same lie. It's the same lie, and people still fall for it, and still, still, and so you get these people that are drunk on their power, with no hint of God in them completely godless, they're still listening to the deceiver's voice. The lie hasn't changed. As we come down to to verse 16, and this may be one of the most quoted verses in the Bible, Paul says to Timothy, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And you understand that when he says the man of God, he means all of us. It's it's humanity, that that the followers of Christ will be prepared, that they will be competently prepared. But the important thing is everything, everything in here is breathed out from God. This is God's holy word. It's inerrant. There is no error in it. That's what inerrant means. All scripture is God breathed. When we need encouragement, where do we look? We look to God's Word. When we need instructions, where should we be looking? To God's Word. When we hear something that we're unsure about, it doesn't ring true. Sounds familiar? Is it right? Is it wrong? Where do we go to find the truth of it? We look to Scripture. We look to God's Word. As Paul begins to wrap up his letter to Timothy, he challenges him. And he says, I charge you in the presence of God, of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, no matter what season it is. Be ready. Reprove, rebuke, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. That's important. Patience and teaching. Everyone's not in the same place. We're all in different parts of our walk with Christ, but we do this with patience and with teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They're going to listen to the voices they want to listen to. We see that. We hear it in the news. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, th- henceforth Fourth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved His appearing. Paul isn't letting the circumstances keep him from serving God's kingdom and spreading the message of the Gospel. He's in chains. He's in a cold prison cell. I find no hint of defeat in his writing. Instead, he proclaims victory. He says, "I know that, bef- that that I know that for me, I hope to be what, untied today." He's saying that he he knows he's going to be hearing that he has kept the faith. He has done all the right things. He has finished the race. He's gone to that last day. For all and and when he says, "Who has loved his appearing?" He's talking about all who proclaim and and. are lovers of Jesus, who proclaim Jesus as their personal Savior. And that's the question for us is, is that your inheritance? Have you heard his voice? Have you responded to his voice? What season are you in? Are you feeling like you're in the middle of winter? Are you feeling like spring is around the corner? Are you serving him regardless? Are you able to escape the chains that are, are virtual chains kind of that are locking us down, or the prison walls—are they the walls closing in? If you read any of Paul's letters, he always begins and he finishes thanking numerous people. Um, I don't tend to read those verses because I don't want to hear—I don't want you to hear me like completely destroy those people's names because I don't speak Greek, and a lot of those people have Greek names. But if you listen to it, he's, he's talking about the... It would be like just looking around the room and me naming all of you. He's, he's talking about people that he has served alongside. People he's instructed. People he's left in some of these churches to go forth and continue serving. It's reminding us that we don't go through any of this alone. We're not designed to be alone in any of this. Remember in in Matthew, when when Jesus, His words remind us that wherever two or three are gathered, He is there with them. He tells us that. Okay? We are not meant to be alone. Um, Surround yourself with brothers and sisters in Christ. Surround yourself with the faithful, that they'll lift you up, that they'll encourage you. Gather, pray, uh, read God's Word, encourage one another no matter what the circumstances. Um, remember Paul's letter to Timothy. Remember what he said. If you're struggling in this time, don't do it alone. But find someone. Talk to one of the deacons here. I'm a, I'm a deacon. Steve is a deacon. Tim is a deacon. Talk to one of them. Talk to Miles. He's our, our chairman. Talk to Pastor Gary. Talk to a brother or sister in Christ that you trust that, that you know knows jesus as their savior people that you know that are grounded in his word reach out do not do not isolate and suffer through this because we're not meant to do to be that way remember his word let his word be written on your hearts it's i, I can't say that enough it's just you know, I, I think about the elderly that have been so locked up this year and have been denied their families, and you know, Skype and, and you know, FaceTime and these things are. It, it's great that we at least could talk to people. When I was in grade school, my dad was in the Navy and we were transferred. Um, we dad was transferred to Japan. We just went along, but we lived in Japan and. That was in the 60s, and we couldn't talk to the states. You, you couldn't pick up the phone and just call you know, my grandparents or something like that. Um, people that, that serve today and are deployed to the Middle East, they can text and Snapchat and actually on their cell phones call their loved ones and talk to them. So the, the, the technology is great. We need the personal contact. We, we need the hug. We need to be there with each other. You know, Earlier when Arnold and Evelyn came in, Judy's like, I want to hug you, but I'm not sure. And Evelyn's like, come here. <laughs> um, we need that. We, we were not meant to be islands alone. There is nothing in Scripture that, that commands us to go out and be alone. So if you are suffering, please reach out. Um, there are plenty of people we love you. We, we want to, to just lift you up in God's Word. All I have for you today. So let's, let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for your, your Holy Word. We thank you for all the encouragement that's in there. We thank you for the instruction that's in there, how we should live. We even thank you for the warnings that are in there, that the, the things that we look around and we see when we shake our heads and we don't understand and we say, Why are people acting this way? They're acting exactly as as your people like Paul, your instructors that, that gave us instruction, they, they were very specific in it. And and when we see people acting that way, like we can look at it. We can say, Yep, you you warned us we shouldn't listen to them. You warned us about false teachers that would say things that that sound good and they sound exciting or something like that, but they're not of You, Lord. There's no godliness in them. They're doing it for their glory and for their own powers. And just help us to, to go to Your Word, Lord, and to, to verify and to, to know the truth that is in Your Word and the truth that, that Jesus brought us as He taught and as He walked among us. And we thank You for all this, Lord. And we just pray as we go, through, go forward from here, as we go through our day, that we would uh, remember this, that we would have you write this on our hearts. And we would remember that you are the, the good, good Father. You are the unchanging one. And you love us. And that will never change, Lord. And we pray all this in your holy name. Amen.